In this episode, we continue to chronicle the mysterious twists in Nicolas Cage's acting career. We discuss knowing. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalin, don't you know? So, we're all back together. <laughs> yeah, the team. Woo. For the first time in over a month. That's crazy. I know, I missed you guys. I missed the warmth of your personalities. Yeah? Mm-hmm, and I missed you. What did you miss most about me, Stuart? I missed the way you look at me after. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Elliot, how you doing? A-OK, buddy. Didn't you guys just get back from Fire Island? Well, not the gay with part. Your, of yeah, well, with your significant others. No, just not to say that, that was over a I'm week not, ago. I'm not. I haven't seen you disparaging oh, the homosexual lifestyle. I just want to make it clear that Elliot and I aren't gay lovers. Wait, but, we're not. Uh, so that didn't mean anything to you. Well, it meant something. <laughs> it meant something on the side. I don't want you to think that I'm committing to you and me for the rest of our lives. That's exactly what I. Are thought. you guys just experiencing college homosexuality, where you mm-hmm. where you try something yep. new while you're in college? Mm-hmm. Yep. Sophomore year, we're, we're bugs, bisexual until graduation. So the movie we watched today. <laughs> you tell me you never heard that <laughs> phrase. We went to the same college, the same college filled with. It sounds like uh, you guys had experimenting uh, ladies. You guys had vastly different wait, experiences. I, wait, in college. there were there were experimenting ladies at our college. Mm-hmm. Well, if I hadn't spent so much time studying for my religious studies degree, <laughs> I maybe would have noticed it and disapproved. All right. Well, now that we've possibly offended our audience. I uh, doubt it. We want to say that... Uh, well, we've lost that GLAD award for podcast of the year. Look, we are... <laughs> jokes aside... Um, Most boners created by a podcast. Let's just say that we are the podcast that... Watches a bad movie and then talks about it. Yeah. That's our M.O. Mo. And tonight's movie is one that we've been saving up until all three of us can be together. You've been saving up. Yeah. Well, Ellie, you didn't want you didn't want us to watch it without you. No, I wanted to see it. Yeah. yeah. We watched Knowing. Wait, what did we watch? Knowing. <laughs> Wait, Nicolas Cage is in it, right? Yes. Okay. Flophouse favorite, Nicolas Cage. Sure. Along with a cast of... <laughs> Almost oh, unknown. Many. Literally handfuls. Yeah. How many? What other Nicolas Cage movies did we watch on this thing? Bangkok Dangerous. Uh huh. Okay. And next. That was fucking shitty. That was bad. This was bad too. And next. And did next, we watch which Ghost I wasn't writer. Oh, I watched that on my own. I think we all watched that <laughs> under our own auspices. I still haven't seen it. Really? Yeah. I, was he in? Pre- wait, was he in Premonition or no? That I'm was just Sandra Bullock. That he's in every single future movie. You're con- yeah, you're you're conflating Premonition and Next. I think. Okay. Nicholas, the this movie is, this where is Nicholas Cage. Cage knew what happened. This is Nicholas Cage's second seeing the future movie. Peggy Sue got married. Do you, do you mm, count that? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to call say what that about he, once bitten. No, he turns into a vampire. <laughs> and that's not even his. Once about, bitten. <laughs> is this, what, Kiss of the Vampire? Vampire's Kiss. Vampire's Kiss. Okay, well, Once Bitten is a Jim Carrey movie. No, Once wait, bit- Earth Girls are easy? <laughs> no, that's a... Di- and Nick, Nicholas Cage also... Oh, Valley Girls. What for a second, I thought you were thinking yes. of the George Hamilton vampire film. What's that one? Dracula the Gay Blade? 
Yeah, that's it. No, <laughs> that's not it. Wait, he played a gay Dracula? <laughs> no. Gay Acula, they called it. That that's, was, that's a lazy joke. Dracula that was, gay. That was during the, the gay exploitation trend of the 70s. Yeah. Right. Was Sean Hayes in it? <laughs> hey, I can make a good joke. So... Uh, we watched Nosferatu. Uh-huh. Yep, yeah, thanks. A little late, but that's cool. <laughs> so we watched the movie Knowing, right, guys? Yes, we watched the movie Knowing. What the fuck was this movie about again? Let me tell I you what no this movie. Fucking clue. Well, let me tell you what this movie was about. Nicholas Cage is a scientist slash professor at MIT or MIT, as okay. it's also known to people. His son gets Caleb. A, his son Caleb, who is who's like deaf or something. But right? he's a little hard of hearing and also a nerd weirdo kid. Although yeah. I'd like to point out that in the scenes where he's not wearing his hearing aid, he appears he can to be hear fine, just fine. He seems so. to wear the hearing aid as an affectation. Uh-huh. And Nicholas Cage is a single father, widower. His son just trying to make it in the world. Yeah, exactly. His yeah. son acquires from a time capsule buried at his school fifty years ago a piece of paper with lots of random numbers written on it, written by a creepy girl in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. It soon turns out, however, <laughs> Nicolas Cage discovers by applying his <laughs> eyes and bourbon... By applying... <laughs> Yeah, by playing whiskey to paper, <laughs> that he that uh, these numbers match up to disasters or catastrophes or terrorist acts, things where lots of people died, where they say the date well, and the body count, the and sometimes not lots. Because uh, let's point out that the the lowest body count that we see in the movie is um, one of the disasters is thirty three people dead. So apparently, that's, if thirty three people or more die in that's one still shot, still a lot of people. I that's mean, still like, a good number of people. I mean. Yeah, but since 1959, when this was written, like how this that this piece of paper would be much larger if every incident were 33 people died in a shot. You're right. Okay, so he finds out. I mean, it's it, 32 too many, if you ask me. <laughs> One would be okay, is what you say. One saying. would be thumbs up. Okay, he finds out that it's also predicting other disasters. He use he finds out that the numbers match up to the longitude and latitude he just happens to be on one day, and a plane crashes, and people are stumbling out of the plane on fire, and he can't save any of them because he's incompetent, and he can't dispel CGI flames. And yes, exactly. To make a long story short, because the movie was way too long, super long, he meets up. He meets up with the daughter of the woman who wrote these numbers many years ago, Rose Byrne of 28 weeks later and the hit uh, show damages Rose yeah, she looks like uh, I think I think you put it really well Elliot, when you said she seemed like an achievable Salma Hayek mm-hmm. <laughs> was I did I, was I the one who said that or I said it <laughs> <laughs> one of us said something like that like if it's you're at a bar names. and you were hitting on Salma Hayek and she turned you down you'd be like okay Rose Byrne will do I don't know I you think know, you'd be at like a cabana bar yeah, you're my at wife, Cabo Wabo. Yeah, my you'd be at a swim up bar. <laughs> <laughs> my wife saw her on the subway once, so she seems attainable. Who? Yeah, for reals. The subway. No, Rose Byrne. Oh, I saw Did Hope you? Davis on the subway once. That's yeah, weird. Well, she's also attainable. Ouch! Take for that, real? Hope Davis. <laughs> yeah, why don't you why don't you, why don't you check her out? Take Stuart. that. American well, like on the internet. So <laughs> <laughs> why don't you do Hope Davis? Just well, type H-O-P-E-D-A-V-I-S into your phone, and it'll call her. Or uh, wait, can't I just shout at my phone until it calls her? <laughs> phone. Hope Davis. Hope Davis. Yeah, there's Activate. Some, yeah, there's like an app. I got some kind of an app. That there's got to be an app for that, sure. that you can say the name and it calls it. Anyway. I don't know if my girlfriend would like that. He meets up with Rose Byrne. 
who also has is also a single parent with a daughter who and it turns out the daughter oh, that's and the convenient because it's like puzzle pieces the daughter and the son have it's like all, step by step yeah it's just like step by step except without the wacky older cousin who lives or in a the van Brady bunch which is more appropriate <laughs> except it's less little, of them yeah a little more well known well, step by step is basically the brady bunch anyway I'm glad we made that point. <laughs> it turns out the son and the daughter have both been hearing whispers from mysterious beings. Mm-hmm. And uh, disasters happen, disasters happen. Turns out there's going to be a big solar flare that wipes out all life on Earth. Mysterious beings turn out to be alien angels, take the son and the daughter up into the stars, and the Earth is destroyed in a fireball. The end. The end. <laughs> oh, and then we see the son and daughter on an idyllic planet where there is also yeah. a tree representing the Garden of Eden and Tree of Knowledge. Not the ending that one would expect at the beginning of the movie based on the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Wait, really? I thought that was like a... I thought it was representing that tree of uh, of knowledge that Odin hung from. Yigredgisil? Yeah, when he, got, when, he ga- when he gave up his eye. The tree of the world? That could be it, too. Either way, it's representing knowledge. Possibly gained in a way that causes more pain than it's worth. Sure, or aliens. <laughs> <laughs> or aliens. But it does feel like at, at a certain point the movie makes a hard left turn into a different movie. So wait, why are the aliens? Uh, why are the aliens telling people this shit? Well, the real question is, why aren't they telling more people this shit? <laughs> uh-huh. Since they seem to be communicating over fifty-year intervals with two children at a time. Yeah. Through whispers and numbers. Well, and but why do they, why are they telling them the sh- like these numbers? Like, does it matter? I don't know. Shouldn't they just, be, the te- way, shouldn't they just be telling the kids like, "Hey, at some point we're going to show up and you should come with us." Like, they, they I think have... they're kind of whispering that to them. But the kid it takes a while for the kids to understand oh, the message. Figure out that they just like telling them. The and numbers. by the way, the real question like... is why don't the aliens come down to Earth and say, "Listen, people, your world's going to be destroyed. We're going to take your kids." So that they can live oh, on. just two of them. We're going to take two of your kids. Just two, and we'll repopulate the Earth. One of whom is the, the child of someone we give these numbers to. Grandchild. The other of whom uh, coincidentally received these numbers through a time capsule. Isn't that isn't that a fucking kick in the head? Yeah, and, it is weird, right? Yeah. But Nicolas Cage mumbles his way through the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so does everybody else. The whole movie is kind of a brown yeah, you had the, look. You had the volume turned yeah, up I super to, high, right? I had to keep... I don't know whether this is just the fact that I do not have a 5.1 surround sound system in my home. Boo! Uh, or the fact that this movie is... I thought is we were professionals, Dan. Yeah, come on. I'm sorry. You need gold cable, too. Are you using gold cable? No, but it's I think... the best kind. Even That's so... $60, $180 for cable. Even so, this movie was mixed really weird because I would have to constantly, whenever there was a special effects sequence, turn the sound way down... To keep um, us from waking the various children who live in this brownstone and other apartments. And then whenever someone talked, I would have to turn the sound way up because everyone in this movie is whispering. Yeah. Or mumbling. And, okay, and if they're Nicolas Cage, they're whispering affectlessly. <laughs> like they have no emotion at all. They didn't seem to care that much. Well, no, his Nicholas wife died, you know, so I don't know if you realize this, Stuart, but once your wife dies... You lose the capacity to feel emotion. Yeah, or at least express emotion in your voice. When my wife died... Okay, I can't pull really it just, off. That never happened. When my wife died... Mm-hmm. So, guys, let's I get down to brass tacks. Glug, 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 because he drank so much. Fucking really. You know, the, the audience is out there, you know, they're listening to us, they're like, okay, guys, let's get to the meat of this podcast. How were the disasters? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I gotta say, 
pretty good. Yeah, they looked yeah. a lot like computers made them, but still, that was pretty cool. Even, I have to say, I was one over, the first disaster with the plane <laughs> crashing, too computery, didn't like it. I the, liked it. The second disaster were a subway car for no reason. In Toronto. In Toronto, supposed to be New York, but it's, it looks like some sort of gray Canadian 1984 type world. Uh, <laughs> the train, for some reason, jumps its tracks and just slides face first into smashes into the platform and is just crushing people along the way. And it looked really computery, but it was still pretty neat. Yeah, it, it was like that scene in Die Hard with a Vengeance when the same thing happens. It was but, like the end of Silver Streak, except instead of nobody dying, hundreds of people die. Yeah, it was pretty cool to watch people bounce off the front of that subway car. Except, like Silver Streak, they use a real train and it bursts through a wall and it looks great. This, they use a computer train and it looks stupid. Well, I think yeah. you're shortchanging the first uh, disaster, Elliot, though, because... All right, what happens in the first disaster that he realizes that these these uh, numbers he's found don't refer just to time, but they re- refer to latitude and longitude because he has a GPS in his car. And, he's and like, I'm shocked it took him that long to fucking figure that shit out. Yeah. Like, this I is, assumed it was going to do something like that. This is a guy who, he goes to visit an old lady teacher, the old lady teacher who had the crazy student, Lucinda, and she says, oh, we found her scratching something into the, scratching numbers into the inside of a cabinet door until her fingers were bleeding. And Nicolas Cage is like, oh, okay, interesting. And then, like, an hour later, when the movie's almost over, he's like, oh, that door! I better go see what it said. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. The 50-year-old door that never got so replaced. Like it got painted over, but it never got replaced. MIT professor, he's a little slow, is what you're saying. I, for an MIT professor, also, his, like, as you were pointing out, in the, when he's te- the one time we see him teaching in class, he's got all these equations up on the board, but he's asking his students, like, tell me about the sun. Yeah, How big is it? Like, the sun's really hot. How far away from the Earth is it? What's this thing made out of, magic? He's also, he's a bad science professor in the same way that Mark Wahlberg is in The Happening, where in The Happening, Mark Wahlberg is like, the bees are disappearing. Mm -hmm. What do you have to say about that class? And the student goes, we'll never know. And he goes, you're right. Some things are just mysteries. And uh, in this one, Nicholas Nicholas Cage is like, Science tells us that we have no free will and everything is determined from the beginning of the universe to the end. Yeah. It's God's plan. He doesn't say it's God's plan, but it's implied that it is. For but, some reason in Hollywood, they think scientists are priests. <laughs> well, yeah. But to get, I mean, get back to the, the disaster, though. Like, Nicholas Cage just happens to be at the longitude and latitude uh, that this disaster is going to occur. Predetermined, Dan. Yeah, predetermined by yeah. the angel aliens, I guess. Speaking through a, a, a girl in 1959. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But... Then the plane crashes on the uh, highway, and he goes to try and help people. And there's an amazing number of people who are still alive from the crash, like passengers. But who are still not alive. just still alive. Arms and legs working yeah. perfectly. Running around. Apparently, the biggest danger if you are in a plane crash is not that you die in the crash, but that you will catch fire from jet fuel once you crash, and, and then you'll run around in flame on the ground. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The impact is not the problem. It's staying away from the flame afterwards. Yeah, and Nicolas Cage is unable to help you by, you know, stop, drop, and roll, like throwing a blanket over you. I guess all those people just jumped in the air at the exact mm-hmm. moment that it hit the ground. Yeah. <laughs> that works. <laughs> it totally doesn't work. Uh, so I shouldn't pay attention to the flight attendant that tells me to do that? Mm-hmm. She really shouldn't tell you to do in that. In the event of a sudden drop in cabin pressure jump in the air <laughs> right before it lands like yeah. if you jump too early you're gonna get smushed but yeah. if you jump at just the right head. time you'll be fine yeah that's awesome <clears throat> that's not how it works 
But yeah, I feel like it's great that you feel like you need to put that disclaimer in there. I don't Please, want anyone to. In case do- someone's listening to this on a plane, I just that I'm, crashes when in the then they're going to sue us in later the split on. second between when when they jump and when they die, and there's just that <laughs> moment of disappointment and like mm-hmm. the flop house lied to me. I don't want anyone to go to heaven or hell with that as their last thought that we lied to them. I don't believe in those things, Elliot. Okay, go to oblivion. Sure, mm-hmm. pass into that crossover. But, um, Sorry, when they re-enter the karma cycle. Sure. Uh-huh. When they cross the bridge of swords. <laughs> cross the river sticks. Sure. But um When Nyarlathotep the crawling chaos comes to take them away. When uh, Cthulhu uh, comes Same mythos, same mythos. You gotta say a different oh, thing. Yeah, you gotta change it. When you cross the rainbow bridge to Valhalla. <laughs> well to Asgard, and then they take you to Valhalla. When the sure care bears come to Take you to the when Charon rose them across the river sticks. He, he already said that. Oh, you did? Right. Oh, no, I missed it. Dork. So now that we're done, we're talking about awesome reusing. mythologies, and this movie does uh, does puts like traditional mythology kind of turns it on its ear. Right? Oh yeah, according to them, uh, Ezekiel sure foretold aliens with smooth stones. Yep, and. Aliens are angels. And aliens are Who'd angels. Who'd fucking thunk it? <laughs> I wouldn't have. But the other, are there other disasters before the, the fire wave that engulfs the earth? <sighs> I mean, oh, there's the truck that hits the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's not, that's a, disaster. not a disaster. No. But I mean, that was pretty Burn cool. Dies. Spoiler alert. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you just mentioned the end of the movie, all the characters dying anyway. I mean, it wouldn't matter. Yeah, let's not leap to the end just yet, because well, the end needs a lot of attention. First, we want to talk about, Dan. Yeah, what, is, wanna, what else is there? I want to talk, talk about the how smooth the, stones? The fact that these numbers fall into the hand of an MIT professor. Predetermined. Who cares enough about. Um, I'm with Elliot on this. Predestination. One. Right. Predestination. Any movie where. Why don't we talk about the weird uh, dudes in trench coats no, that no, no, follow no, hold the on. kids around? Those are the angel aliens. It's just, in their human really? guises. Yes. Really? Yes. That one guy opened his mouth and just light came out. What's yeah. going on there? Well, he's an angel with alien powers or an alien with angel powers. Wait, angel powers involve shooting out light beams from your mouth? I have, Maybe he's like the, um, oh, what's it Cocoon. called? No, the voice of God. What's it called? I don't know. Metronomogrammaton or something like that. The tetragrammaton? Not the tetragrammaton. Hey, hey, hey. That's the name of God. Oh, okay. I feel like we need to jump back to the numbers, though, just to jump back. set the ah. stage for listeners who may not have watched Knowing. Okay, a explain bit more. it to us, Dan. Like the fact that there's a sheet full of numbers. Yeah, yeah. Well, duh. <laughs> this kid in 1959 writes his numbers. Obviously, they could put in this uh, time capsule. <laughs> Obviously, they take. Well, the kids are all drawing pictures of what they think the future will be like mm-hmm. to put in this time capsule to be opened in the year 2009, which. Not to be a nitpicky, but 100 years is the standard for time capsules for the most part. Yeah, 50 years, who gives a shit? Yeah, come on. The teacher who put the buried the time capsule is there when they unearth the time capsule. Like, Not exciting. It's one of those things where, like, why bother to open up a time capsule when the people who did it are still alive and can tell you what was going on at that time? It's not like it's um, the tomb of the pharaohs or something. <laughs> exactly, yeah. All these uh, drawings get... <laughs> it's not the hidden temple. ...handed sure. down to... Um, you know, children of the modern age, and uh, Nicholas Cage's son gets the sheet full of numbers. Shafted. And, uh, and uh, I love a kid goes up to him and goes, we all got pictures. Yeah. You just got numbers. Uh-huh. And then runs away. Yeah. I like to think that he found a reason to make fun of everyone's uh, time capsule uh, gift. He's, he's like that kid on King of the Hill. Yeah, he's just running around making fun of everybody. But the reason why the numbers come to Nicholas Cage's <laughs> attention is they get brought home 
and Nicolas Cage overfills his tumbler full of whiskey. He drinks a lot of whiskey. Yeah, apparently ever since his wife died, he drowns his sorrows by drinking. He was watching a really exciting program about tigers. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Earlier we see his son watching a show about tigers, and then he goes back to watch it on TiVo. (laughs) It's just this weird little continuity thing of like, listen, we can't have him watch a show we haven't introduced already in the film. We'll just have him watch the tiger show. Right. Yeah, because if he started watching, like, Two and a Half Men, people would be like, what a dork. People would be like, where did he get this other TV show? But he's watching that, and he's like, oh, he's so engrossed by the Tigers that he doesn't realize <laughs> that he pours a full tumbler full of bourbon. Not, and, like, oh. and it's not like the tumbler's sitting on the table, and he's not looking at it. Yeah. It's in his hand. He's just sitting there pouring mm-hmm. something into a glass in his hand. So what you're saying is not only would he have the like the sensory mechanism of his hand pouring, <laughs> yes. but also the hand would sense that the glass is getting fuller and fuller mm-hmm. of shit. The weight of the glass. Yeah. right. If not the sound of the glass filling up right under his face. So to clean up the uh, glass that obviously has a spillover, he sets it down on the page full of numbers and he picks it up. On an otherwise empty counter. Yeah. There's a (laughs) ring. He picks the one spot that there's a paper on. Yeah. There's now a bourbon ring about some of the numbers and Nicolas Cage is like, huh. Now that some of these numbers are, have a circle around them, I'm paying more attention to these particular numbers. And he just starts writing them out on his whiteboard. Yeah, he writes them out on his whiteboard, and he starts dividing them up randomly. And, like, it's the most obvious. It's like, spoiler, it's it's the date of 9-11. The numbers are 9-1-1-0-1, and then, what, 2 9 or two, yeah. n- whatever the, the number of the casualties were on September And so that. the first two times he divides it up, he does not divide it up in the way that would be a, a 9-11... <laughs> Like 91, 101, yeah. two, oh, well, let me try it again. So one has to wonder, like, why did he care enough to put them on his whiteboard <laughs> if he didn't immediately see the link to uh, September 11th? Well, he's drunk. And People the best part is he then went, he went to fucking... People do crazy things with numbers He went over drunk. to Google and he's like, 9 11 what happened? He types What's in... What's on the fucking microfiche? <laughs> he types in that number as if... And then he goes to a page that says, never forget... This is set in the year 2009. It's not set in the far-off future of, like, 3111, when mm-hmm. people might have forgotten about September 11th like by Pearl that point. like Pearl Harbor to them. Yeah, it's something that happened within 10 years that everyone remembers. Like, Yeah, but that sets him off on his number quest. That would have been a better name for this movie, Number <laughs> Quest. Much like, much like Jim Carrey in the number 23. Possibly He's the hooked. cover of the poster would be like him holding out. the stars out the, of numbers. Well, like him holding out a piece of paper and like light shooting him in the face. Yeah, but in the fort, like casting numbers on his face. Like like the, the movie poster for that movie, Dreamscape. Yeah, well, it would be a painted poster like the Star Wars, the Indiana Jones posters. Oh, yeah, by Drew in- Sturzan. <laughs> Is that who painted them? Yeah. I should know that, but I don't. Uh, and then pictures of his kid, Rose Byrne, Rose Byrne's kid, a couple of side characters that appear Maybe the old teacher sure. and uh, his friend who tries to set him up with his sister. Maybe one of the little vignettes from the film. Oh yeah, of course. A little bit like him driving with his huge fists on the steering wheel. <laughs> It'll be oh, and a plane crashing. A plane crashing. The train flying through the air, anchored by that one image of a tiger. <laughs> a tiger, <laughs> and maybe like a really small one of the alien angels, small enough that you'd only notice it if you've seen the movie already and you recognize the shape. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and maybe maybe a little. 
pile of little black stones. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good at the bottom. Yeah. Or like piled around the logo. Sure. Where it no, says Number sense. Quest. Yeah, and, right. the, and it's like, this summer, <laughs> an adventure you'll never forget. You're like, in, an incalculable adventure. Yeah, that sounds good. Number Quest. What's, what's the deal with those little black stones? Steven Spielberg invites they're, they're you. They're magic to, or something, right? They're... Yeah, they're these, they're these smooth black stones that are left everywhere by the they're angel like aliens. They're like skipping stones. They're like wishing stones. Yeah. Skipping stones would be flatter, Stuart. They were just smooth. They look like, as you mentioned, Dan, I think they look like someone bought a rock tumbler and yeah. put some stones in. But they, for whatever reason, that becomes the symbol of the alien angels. I don't know what it stands for. I don't get it. But then I wasn't paying that much attention most of the time. <laughs> I think that that's fair that you don't get it because now that we've sort of set things up a little bit more, I think we can skip to the end because the movie takes a drastic shift. Yeah, into the crazy. Like, the movie is not great, but it sort of makes like a certain amount of sense in no. a sci-fi thriller way. Like No, I mean, like once you accept the idea, like, okay... In a crappy sci-fi thriller way. No, Elliot, like, if they had a good explanation... <laughs> Like once you accept the fact, like okay, yeah, no, if these it, numbers uh, are predicting the disasters, why is this happening? And then the whole second half of the movie would have to explain that. Yeah, in this case, the whole second half of the movie punts that question. See, like, if it was Number Quest, I see like a secret society of psychics that through history have been sure. trying to warn humanity of disasters. But as it is, yeah, it the second half of the movie says like, remember those numbers. We're thinking about different numbers now. And by the way, aliens are involved. Mm-hmm. And the aliens are there mainly to take these kids to the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Oh, and also there's going to be a solar flare that destroys the Earth. That they bring up very late. Yeah, at the end like, of... Like, none of this is, is, is set up or foreshadowed, really. Well, the, no, the, yeah, nothing makes any sense at all. Like, there are these numbers. Okay, there are a bunch of black stones. Okay, there are these aliens. What do they all have to do with each other? I don't know. Whatever, it's just a movie we made. <laughs> yeah. That's your Alex Broyas impression? Yeah. You know. We just made this thing, enjoy it. Uh, it's up to you guys. It's it up is, to you, the viewer. It is not my job to explain, but to create. Find That's, the explanation. Wait, from, uh, like, Toronto? I don't remember. Wait, Mon- Montreal? Broyas? Yeah. I just assumed he from, was from South America, but... But that's a French accent. <laughs> hey, listen, I don't know who taught. Maybe he had a French tutor. Okay, that makes sense. I just know that's how he talks. Ha <laughs> ha! Alex Brayons! Yep. At the end. You uh, wouldn't pronounce the S there. Brayons! Yeah, okay. That's right. Numbers. Monsieur Cage, for your role, I imagine no emotion, nothing. And Nicolas Cage's like, really? You don't want me to show any emotion at all? No. You know, and so forth. At the end of the page, sense. full of numbers, there's a what looks like a three-three, and then Rose Burns like, oh no no, she used to reverse things when she got really excited or something like that. She just liked so, to, yeah, yeah, she liked to do it on occasions. Like, oh no, it's an E E. And what does that E E stand for? It stands for everyone else. And where? How do they find out? Is that when they strip the? Thing, no, it's when that... they lift up a bed at this crazy lift lady's. A, bed. a lift up a Murphy bed at the crazy lady's old house, and she's carved in everyone else over and over again. Yeah, so at a certain date, everyone else is going to die. I would think that with that information, like all the knowledge that like all of humanity is going to die at this date, why would you flip out so much? Like at that point, like she was going to be pretty old anyway. Like. If you know everyone's going to die, like, why not chill out and enjoy yourself? Don't tell anyone so everyone just enjoys himself and then mm-hmm. everyone dies because it's a fucking solar flare. It's not like some dude shows up and kills everyone. It's not something you can really do anything about unless she's like, I'm going to invent fucking magical spaceships for us all to leave on. Yeah, that's, like, that's one of the funny things. Is like, Why wh- flip out about it? Is what once Nicolas Cage mm-hmm. realizes that everyone else is going to die, he runs to his like 
office at MIT, and he's like, oh, shit, that solar flare thing I was working on, uh, I miscalculated it. Turns out there's going to be a solar flare that ever that kills everyone. That psychic uh, number thing pushed me in the right direction to re- recalculate my own studies that I've already done. And now I'm going to say, oh, that solar flare is going to come yep. by and kill. And then let's get the best deep core drillers in the world to go mm-hmm. launch a rocket into the sun. Into the sun and knock it off course. Yeah. Yep. That sounds awesome. Or, or, else, we'll, or, else, or else we'll have a deep impact to deal with. Yeah. Right? Right? That's <laughs> good. Eh? Or we can drill into the center of the Earth and keep the magnetic core spinning if we can only get Stanley Tucci and Delroy Lindo on the case. <laughs> yep. And DJ Qualls. <laughs> or we could build a space elevator between Earth and the moon. It hasn't happened in a movie, but <laughs> so it's, still, it'll be called, it's another high concept. It'll Sounds be called Moonivator. <laughs> Moonivator. It'll be called third floor, ladies' furnishings, fourth floor, the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Going... Uh, they build a space elevator between Earth and the Moon, but they have an old-timey elevator operator. Sure, of course. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the moon lift. <laughs> That's the name of the movie, or is that like the poster? Well, this movie, this movie is similar in a lot of ways to the trailer for 2012. Earth is being destroyed by calamities, and they're building spaceships to take people off of the Earth, which is also the plot of, I think, When Worlds Collide. Mm. That What's old that? movie. Oh no! Or is it? It's either when worlds collide or like the day the Earth burned or something like that. But I think it's when worlds collide. Wait, what world collided with our world? It was some other world. Another world. Okay. Yeah. But they had a spaceship and people were fighting to get yeah. on it. That sounds good. When one world collides with another world, mm-hmm. basically. Yep. I think it's when worlds collide. Maybe it's a different one. When any two worlds. It's kind of like collide. in uh, like trading places. Yeah, exactly. When their worlds the collided. <laughs> Yeah, Prince and the Pauper. Sure. But the trading thing places, is, trading spaces. Lady and the Tramp. So trading faces. What what you face were, off. Dan, you really are upset <laughs> trading by faces. You you were really upset by the end of this movie. Well, okay. Meet the Applegates. So <laughs> at the end of this movie, Nicolas Cage all of a sudden he's like, Holy shit, I've got extra numbers and he gets those extra numbers by finally remembering, as you say, that the girl clawed some numbers into the door of a school. 50 and, years ago. Yeah, so he goes and he goes and he he strips the paint from that door. Yeah, with a, with a heat gun and a Yeah, stripper. and he gets the coordinates, or cowards as I call them. Yeah, and sure. all of a sudden Nicolas Cage is like... Or nits. Oh, we have to go to these coordinates. Earlier in the movie, coordinates that are given are things that should be avoided at all costs because that's when disasters that's where the disasters are going to be. Somehow, at the end of the movie, Nicolas Cage makes the huge logical leap. Oh, now we got to go to these coordinates, and then everything will be fine. And so he goes there, and that place is uh, covered in these shiny black stones that have no uh, particular significance that we can discern in the movie. And these aliens come down, and they take. His son. First, they give his son and they give the girl white rabbits to hold. Yeah. That's stupid. And then they take them. Take his son and, and Nicholas Cage Burns is going to go. Nicholas Cage is going to go with them, and then the son says, "Wait, they're telling me you can't come." And I wonder if it would be such a like if he just thinks his dad is lame. Like, <laughs> Wait, oh, the aliens are telling me you can't come. Really, I I don't hear their voices. Yep, they're whispering it to me right now. I gotta go. What sorry, a sorry, dude. Yeah. Catch catch you on the flip side, my man. And so, yeah, these, these kids are taken so to... So you're not even wearing your hearing aid, kid. How, how can you hear them? <laughs> oh, gotta go. Aliens are calling. Yeah. You can't hear it? Because it's... What, it's Dad? I can't, I can't hear you too <laughs> can't, well. I can't hear you over the aliens and my hearing problems. 
Yeah, but the, the, the kids are saying like this weird wheat world. I don't know, like you know, it's, he- heaven and gladiator. It's basically. a Garden of Eden type place. Yeah, and it so is heaven like heaven where you go gladiator. if you're a gladiator. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and what so, a boring heaven for gladiators! Just wheat. <laughs> I know, right? You can run. You can run your hand through all the wheat you 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 can. Fields of wheat. Yeah, just touch a bunch of wheat. Wheat with feathers. <laughs> and love and death. Sure, you must be Don Francisco's sister. But anyway, <laughs> no, you must be Don. <laughs> yeah, they're That's taking my, away. Does Don Francisco have to adjust my belt? Would you uh, come over here and hold my bosom for a minute? <laughs> and, he, and he looks at and he has this such a funny look on his face when he like decides to go over. Anyway, yeah. love and death. We recommend rent love and it death. today. Uh-huh. I think that might be my recommendation today. Yeah. So yeah, the kids are taken away, and Nicolas Cage and everyone else on Earth dies in a solar flare. Yeah. And you a are left very slow solar flare as the audience to wonder. Hey, why did those aliens send that information down? Why did it only get received by these two kids? Why did they take just these two kids to this other world? What the fuck is the deal with all these black stones? Who thought this was a good movie to make? Who greenlit this? Why are the aliens in the business of predicting disasters in the first place? Yeah, they never really explain why the aliens, except if they've just cracked the code of the universe. Yeah. Like the predetermined code of existence. Well, they're angels, right? It's implied. But even if they're angels, like what is their what is their plan here? Like the angels, well, you know, they're like, okay. off from Buffy and uh, go yeah. a couple seasons. And... Uh-huh. Thing sure. is, is that humanity's just become five seasons in L.A. <laughs> humanity is just uh, they've sinned too much or something, and so only they, to be wiped out with an awesome solar it's flare. Imp- it's they say it in vaguely at some point that like it's time for a second, it's a new beginning, or you know things need to start back from the beginning or right. yeah taken yeah, to you got to push the clock back so you got to bring these two um children to another planet uh where theoretically i guess they'll grow up and screw each other and then their children will uh repopulate the earth or they'll repopulate that new planet the earth might be gone yeah i mean you could call it earth 2 or mm-hmm. orth <laughs> orth or darth yeah girth uh earth? i didn't think we were talking about girth today dan <laughs> I thought the movie was really good. Earth it was really, it was really a real twist on that ending. Oh, I bet yeah. M Night Shyamalan was watching it and got really mad because mm-hmm. you he, stole my twist. Yeah, me M Night Shyamalan. He's Italian, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, if it was M Night, it's Sha- kind of French still, but sure. Italian also. If M Night Shyamalan made the movie, it would be <laughs> you total- say Shyamalan. Whatever. Anyway, you're saying. It would be totally clear at the end of the movie that planet that we see at the end is actually Earth. Yeah. And the one we saw throughout the uh, movie before that is some earlier planet that we were not aware of. Yeah, like big, Tatooine or something. There'd be a big sign that said, like, welcome to Earth at the end. Earth original. Population 2. Population you. <laughs> I like Population 2 better. Population 2. Okay, Population 2. funnier. Can we, can we just do final judgments? Let's do final judgments on this movie. Final judgments. Does anyone want to go first? Yeah, I really didn't like this movie. It was really long and boring. Uh, it was shot kind of cool, and the music was nuts. Um, he was stealing from everything. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, but it was boring and way too fucking long and not exciting at all, so don't watch it. Although some of the explosions were cool. Okay. The, C- the CGI flame was really awesome. I agree. This was a bad, bad movie, and I didn't enjoy it. Uh, and it was slow and boring and long. I agree with uh, Stuart. Wow. Although, yeah, there were some scenes that looked pretty. Like, they were shot nicely, but then a oh, lot of... Oh, that moose that was on fire? The CGI moose that, moose was, pre- that was on fire? There were a couple good disaster scenes, yeah. But but then uh, other times things were shot crazy. Like, Nick, whenever Nicolas Cage was driving, 
they'd make his hands look enormous. Let's let's clarify that. Make his hands look enormous by putting the camera right behind the steering <laughs> no, wheel. No, they didn't use a CGI. So his hands were closer. They didn't give him CGI giant, giant it like hands. A or even video. like practical no. effects. They didn't put like big gloves on him. I yeah. just want to make sure. But, uh, they didn't have like Hulk gloves that you could okay, buy. Sure. Yeah. But it, it was a... It was a Paint, painted t- flesh colored. And mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage is like testing the boundaries of bad acting, like how far he can go. <laughs> and this is pretty far. He's been doing that for a while. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's yeah. like this is his life's work is to see how bad acting can get. Yeah, if this movie was a little shorter, I could almost recommend it on, like, like the first half of the movie, basically, I feel like, is kind of interesting on its own merits. Like, not good, but I was kind of like, okay, well, this is well shot, and I could see where the premise, if handled well, could make an interesting movie, and I moved along at at a good clip for the first half. And then it just sort of stretches out for a while where nothing really happens. And then at the end, it kind of felt like the screenwriter was like, okay, well, I'm on page 100. This shouldn't be more than 120 pages at most. How can I explain what happened? Um, Angel aliens. Yeah. Well, that's that, that gets me out of uh, having to make this make sense. That's the most interesting part of the movie for me, but it's a lot of garbage before it and then it comes out of nowhere and it's it was like a coon if there was a disaster well the fact that it comes out of nowhere almost makes it a good bad movie for me but uh it's a little too long yeah it's very it was like two hours long yeah i had plenty of time to get drunk hi it's dan here if you like listening to the flop house why not visit us on the web at www.flophousepodcast.com where you can find show notes videos fan art and links to wikipedia synopses of all the flop house films so you can play along at home if you're looking for more flop house stuff check out our facebook page where you can discuss the show with other fans or subscribe to our twitter feed at the flop house pod your support helps us build an audience so if you like the show why not vote for us at podcast alley or subscribe to the show on iTunes. And while you're there, take a moment to write a review. Links for everything can be found on the webpage. Lastly, we love hearing from you, so if you have thoughts, feedback, or suggestions, let us know at theflophousepodcast at gmail.com. Now back to the show. I got some letters here. Letters? We get letters. All right. We Again, get lots and lots of letters. Um, Flophouse. So, all right. First of all, this is this this one isn't actually a letter. This is what I teased last time. What on the show? Uh, you weren't here, Stuart. Oh, okay. You're off. I don't know. What rubbing you? oils on myself. I'm sure. sure. Scented oils, <laughs> creams. I found pungents. You're probably wearing a tiny bathing suit. Also, probably. I found through our um our stat counter, our website counter, Stowner. A link to our site. Awesome. From a Norwegian message board. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds cool. And I don't speak Norwegian. No? No. So Yet. I took the paragraph that referred to the Flophouse. This is brilliant. And I fed it through freetranslation.com. Surefire to, hit. To get a translation. <laughs> this is what they're saying about us. <laughs> In Norway, via what one person said about us in Norway. It's not like <laughs> and in Nor- cyberspace. No, Norway no, is not no. all a buzz with the flop. All house. across Norway, 
This is the word on the Flophouse via free translation, the best free translation service <laughs> on the web. And it says, As Dan deposits a check from freetranslation.com. While I see on the Flophouse, admittedly, it is a podcast, but I also included the need to recommend it in any case. In the event that it is more than me who have a dull summer where they are alone in several hours daily with work that requires relatively little awareness. In any case, the concept is as follows. Three film flinkster from Brooklyn meet a time in the week and see a drit film, which brats Hundred Hills Chihuahua or Jumper, <laughs> while they drink themselves full. When they are finished, they take up an hour of the fact that they held about it in lid form, yes. It does in people my job her vag a little d less gray, yay. So there you That's go. That sounded positive, I think. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, it could have been the inflection he used with your voice. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, when he wrote it, it was like, here's the the da 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 da, da the film flips. Yeah. Film flinksters. Mm -hmm. Flinksters. Yeah. That's that's the way I think of us as three film flinksters who drink drink ourselves full. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, do. Freetranslation.com. Yeah. Okay. So wow, that was cool. Thanks, Norway. Yeah, thanks, Norway. Thanks, the country, Norway. Okay, what's next? You've given us Jason and that. Mm -hmm. So here's one from Eddie, last name withheld. Sure. And it says flip-flops. That's how it addresses us. Mm. Flip-flops. Interesting. That's I don't a new like one. Start. Seasonal. Uh, as you may have heard, the third in the Step Up franchise is curly, currently in production. Step Up Three the Streets? Yeah, it says... It's, it's Step Up 3D, dude. Yeah. Oh, is it really? Yeah, well... As 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 the letter would say, if you let me read it, okay, Stuart. Sorry. Its title: Step Up. Wait for it. Sure. 3D. Heard the, it. The first ever dance movie in 3D. Mm. Elliot, I know you might be thinking of some crazy movie that tried it before in the 50s. <laughs> he predicted, but that claim is wrong. Uh, but if that claim is wrong, the fault is not mine. I heard director John Chu make that very claim a matter of hours ago. <laughs> That's right. I'm working on Step Up 3D. Wow. It's like That's living awesome. in the movie, which is to say it's terrible. <laughs> there are a thousand extras. I'm for... glad you withheld his last name. Oh, yeah. He could lose his job. That's true. <laughs> well, this is There's from... probably like thousands of Eddies working on this movie. <laughs> this is from a few weeks ago since we haven't been together for a while. So he's probably off the movie by now. But uh, he says, there are a thousand extras who are all in high school and love breakdancing. From the title, I know... What could go wrong? Uh, from the little I know about the movie... And yeah, there might be some confidentiality issues, but it's okay because I'm not giving you my last name. It is about an international hip-hop dance competition. It features light-up shoes, laser gloves. I'm there. <laughs> wait, wait, did you say laser gloves? Yeah, laser <laughs> gloves. And teams called, among other things, Germany, France, America, New Zealand, Africa, the Pirates, and the Samurai. <laughs> those better be those pirates that are always hijacking ships off of Africa. It could be a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie. Who knows? Maybe an honest-to-goodness good movie. But one thing is true. It has truly broken new ground in pointlessness and inexplicableness and being written by me in seventh grade. <laughs> and Grandmaster Kaz is in it. I do not know if I'm dreaming or as if this is real. Kaz so. the cartoonist? Yes. Well, no, he <laughs> includes a photo of Grandmaster Kaz. Ah. I'm, I'm uh, showing to... So wait, there's Kaz a the cartoonist Did he right say there's now. a team called Japan and a team called the Samurai? Yeah, it, it seems to start out as all team names are countries or continents, and then uh, it turns into just types of people. 
Pirates Still, and Samurai. Light up shoes, laser gloves. Uh-huh. All my favorite things gloves. about Super Mario is Brothers, like, the movie. Yeah, is, is are laser gloves like gloves that somebody creates out of lasers? I have to assume they're gloves that shoot lasers. Uh, I guess that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. It's like Tron meets Step Up to the Street. Sure. That was very cool that we got the, ba- the behind-the-scenes report. Wow. All right, so uh, now is the point where we make um, some recommendations Ow! of movies that we've seen recently and maybe enjoyed. <laughs> Rather than knowing, which you saw recently. So, and, so wait, I uh, shouldn't recommend knowing. Yeah, well, Don't recommend knowing. Unless you're going to change your tune. Unless you're going to ch- do a 180. If I, if I flip-flopped. Yeah. And I'm not going to do that. No, not a flop-flipper. Okay, okay, I'll go first. I want to recommend an awesome movie, you know, in the spirit of a great summer movie. And in mm. honor of the recent release of G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, directed by director Stephen Summers. I would like to recommend the movie Deep Rising, an early Stephen Summers movie, mm. which features Treat Williams riding around on a ski doo in a sinking jet, uh, a sinking cruise ship, while shooting tentacles with a shotgun. That sounds like a real treat. Uh, it's an awesome <laughs> movie, and the cover of the movie box features him riding on a ski doo out of an explosion. Mm. So that is a surefire so hit. A ski doo is like a kind of flightless bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, wait, no. It's uh, it's like a, like a jet ski. <laughs> oh, where does the do part come in? I don't know. That's what people call them, ski doos. It's like mm-hmm. a do-rag. It's like a, it's like a <laughs> jet ski that you can wear on your head. Oh, okay. Yeah, a I mean, if ski. you're doing a headstand. Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty cool. And and Wes Studi is in it. Oh, the, yeah. The guy who played Magua in Last of the Mohicans. Sure. He was in Geronimo. Not, not the guy who played Magua in Gremlins, Howie no. Mandel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not Howie Mandel, man. All right. He's not in that movie. My recommendation, I don't know if this is like an unabashed recommendation. It's it's more personal. Like, I watched uh, The Towering Inferno on Blu-ray recently, and uh, that movie is literally an hour too long. However, there's something about a certain type of 1960s um, blockbuster film that appeals to me. Like... 1960s in general. I think it's was towering for no 60s or 70s. I thought it was like 71 or 72. Really, it feels I could be like, wrong about it that. It feels like 60s. It, it, it in the same way that like basically like the first couple of years of every decade sort of trails yeah, the previous. Yeah, like decade, the previous. So. Yeah, you're right. Um, but touche. There's something about <laughs> films of that time that are so fake that that like really seem fake in a way that even transcends like early studio f- pictures. Normally, that sort of level of fakeness in a movie irritates me, but there's something about those like uh, Irwin Allen disaster movies, or like say an early um, uh, James Bond film, like the space age quality of that, uh, that really appeals to me. And something about like this like very like low version of blockbuster filmmaking that is kind of fun. Let's get uh, Steve McQueen and Paul Newman together and Fred Astaire. And put them in a disaster movie. Towering Inferno, especially on the new Blu-ray release, that's kind of fun. Okay, Elliot? Uh, I think I'm going to recommend, if I can, not just a movie, but an event mm. centered around a movie. Oktoberfest? Oktoberfest. Uh, if you hear this podcast before September 9th, <laughs> which is a Wednesday, I'm going to recommend that you go to, and you're in the New York area, I recommend you go to 92Y Tribeca, 200 Hudson oh. Street in Manhattan, and you, and you go see uh, the movie I'm hosting there, Love Me Tonight, at 8 p.m. September 9th. Because it's good, and I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. Wait, you're going to talk about it then, or you're going to talk about it now? I'm talking about it then. 
Okay, that's cool. I also haven't seen any movies recently that I really liked, so I'm going to recommend that. And also Love and Death, my yeah, favorite of Death. Woody Allen's gag films. Yeah, I agree. My two favorite Woody Allen films, Love and Death and Crimes and Misdemeanors. That's my favorite funny one and my favorite not-so-funny one. Hmm, interesting. Well, Love and Death is hilarious, especially if you have a grounding in 19th century Russian literature. Or even not. Those are, those are books that I have always felt that I should read. And have not. You should. They're very good. I still find Love and Death the funniest of Woody Allen's movies. So rent Love and Death now. Sleeper. Sleeper's Sleeper's all right. Pretty good. Sleeper's not one of my favorites. I find it to be pretty lackluster. I was just naming. I like Sleeper better than Bananas. See, I prefer Bananas much more to Sleeper. Bananas is genius to me, whereas Sleeper is okay to me. But that's the movie to rent. What about Take the Money and Run? It's all right. Shows yeah. promise. If you want to see Smoke a movie, and the Bandit, not a Woody Allen movie. <laughs> Wait, it's a really? Hal Needham film. <laughs> if you need, every which way but loose. Nope, that's also not a Woody Allen film. Other jugs and speed. Not Woody Allen. Woody Allen made very few movies with car chases in them, <laughs> and even fewer right. movies with orangutans or ambulance, you know, races. Uh huh. Race with the devil. Nope, not race with the devil. Not a Woody Allen. The film. Warriors. Nope, not a Woody Allen film. But if you're in the New York area on September 9th sure. and you want to go see an old movie that's a lot of fun, go see Love Me Tonight. You'll find out more information on the 92Y Trebekah website. Sounds yeah. good. Even despite Dan booing me when I recommended it. <laughs> Well, guys, uh, I don't know whether we made a lot of sense of this movie knowing that we watched tonight. Yeah, but we had a lot of laughs, you know? (laughs) Well, I was going to say the movie didn't make a lot of sense of the movie. I know, yeah, I don't know there's a lot of sense. No, but you know, like we, you know, we had a chance to really talk and catch up. Uh I think that's cool. Friends coming together to enjoy a moment. Who cares if the movie's good or not? The companionship is what it's about. That was my Anthony Bourdain no reservations moment (laughs) for this podcast. Good friends. Okay. Why don't you do a sign off? I will. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for throwing it to me. No problem. I, I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And Elliot Kalen as himself. Good night. Yeah, let's fucking drop it like it's hot. Mm-hmm. Drop it like it's pod. You ready to do some casting? Wait, drop it like it's flop. Eh? You ready to do some casting? Mm-hmm. Casting like, like casting spells, but we're cast, we're podcast. Okay, I'll shut up. Okay, what's going on, Dan? <laughs> Why have we not oh, started need, yet? Wait, you need to pause. Are you like trying to get your burps out? Yeah, you, yeah, you want to get all those burps up like your little. Yeah, look at Ellie. He's burping up. Got to get it out. I'll right. just. I'll burp during the night. And no. three, two.